right. Are we recording? We okay. are recording. So this is our second cold opening. The first one was recorded over by our producer. Almost immediately. Almost, I'm actually, actually I'm stunned that it was able to be done that quickly. Yeah, uh, I would be surprised. Like, I don't know how she could have possibly done it. We just wrapped up and then it was recorded over immediately. Yep, and our first cold opening was saying, alluding to the fact that she had squashed our original cold opening because she thought it was offensive and was going to refuse to record it. Censored so, by our producer. And then censored again. And then censored again. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. We have to apologise for this weak cold opening, but we're going to probably have a reasonably okay episode nevertheless. I yeah, it's going to be a good episode. So thanks a lot, Emma, for thanks, Emma. censorship. Mm. Hey everyone, welcome to episode nine of Ale of the Time. Hey Dave. Morning. And we'll welcome Steve Jeffers from the local tap house. Good morning. He's our special guest today um, and we're going to be talking a few gabs things, some good beer week things and coincidentally the, uh, we'll do a bit of a catch up about the stone tap takeover which was at the tap house and the owl house here in Melbourne. Well, let's, let's start with that, eh? It's been let's a kick it off. Yeah. All right. Dave, you, you weren't at the actual original. Yeah, I was one. very excited when I heard that we were going to get some... Um, some stone beers shipped across, uh, and then I saw the date and realised that I was going to be in Perth for that week. Mm. So I didn't get to participate. Didn't they luckily, it, didn't they bring it to Perth? There was um, at the Silent Anchor, I think. Yeah, it? after afterwards. Oh, so yeah. I was just in an incredible uh, schedule of timing on my part. But luckily, on Tuesday when I swung by the tap house, there was still a good lot of the beers on, so I got to have yeah, a couple of paddles worth. So there was multiple kegs of each, is that right, Steve? Depending on the beer and the ABV and all of that sort of stuff. But, yep. uh, you know, even the beers that with the lower alcohol, less complexities, we got a number of kegs of, but they were still the first ones to mm. kick. So as of last night, I think there was about four or five beers left, but they were the high alcohol beers yeah. that we probably only got one keg of. That's pretty good to still have that many left, I guess. Um, but high ABV people aren't going to. Yeah, well, when, you, when you've got 20, 20 different beers, it's uh, every, all the beers, especially at an, a spectacular, we find that uh, all the kegs tend to drain at a similar mm. kind of rate because people are trying as many trying across the broad range as possible. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Mm. So I went along just in the afternoon and had four beers. I was just saying at the tap house? Yep, at yeah, the tap okay. house. Yep. I was just saying to Steve, I'm not a f- at the moment, I'm not a fan of tasters. I'll probably, six months' time, I'll love tasters again. Uh, I had the Go To IPA, the Cali Belgique, Arrogant Bastard, and. Another one which I forget. Uh, Ruination. All really good. Yep. Uh, Go to IPA, I think, was my standout, which was surprising. And that was just uh, sort of like a pretty refreshing se- session, session IPA. IPA. They're, they're sort of answer to founders all day, day, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any standouts for you, Dave? Yeah, well, I went through a couple of paddles and I really, really liked the Wheaton stout. That mm. was killer. That mm. was pretty big and complex and had a lot of character to it. Um, the other ones I liked were the smoked Old Guardian, the barley wine, and the... What else did I like? Oh, the regular Cali Belgique. Mm, that's that's a really good beer. beer. I had I had this, the red wine version twice because everyone was loving it and I had it and I resented it because the wine killed off the hops and the yeast that makes the Cali Belgique so great. And then I just thought maybe I should just forget that and just drink it and drink it as it is and I quite enjoyed it the second time around. Mm. Steve, any, any 
Listen, I, I really like the, the red wine version. I really like the cherry wood smoke saison, the matte something oh, or other. That was, yeah. that was terrific. Um, so that's got a bit of a, a tragic story behind it, that one as well. Yeah, um, that's right. So and it, we had um, Greg obviously talking at the Ale Stars uh, in the middle of the afternoon and he, uh, he was choking up telling that story. Yeah. It's a very, um, you know, it's quite moving for those people to work at the brewery. Yeah, so for the people who don't know, um, Matt, he was killed in, a, in an accident in the brewery. So they've brewed a beer um, sort of to, to honour that. Um, and, and you obviously met Greg and, and chatted to him and probably heard his views about beer as well. Yeah, we did. Like he was, he was only vacationing in Australia. So yeah. he, um, he came in unannounced. He didn't want to have any hoo-ha when he turned up with his um, girlfriend, I think it is. And uh, he was really lovely. He, was, uh, he uh, sat down with the Owl Stars and the Owl Stars, we, we thought being in the middle of a Saturday afternoon could get under little unruly, particularly some, because some of the people there had been there since midday, so mm. they'd been drinking for five hours. But we had a great turnout, and uh, he got up, and it was really nice in a more intimate environment to, mm. to hear him talk about his, uh, his story and his philosophy. And, um, and then at the end, he switched into this ev- evangelical kind of mode, mm. which uh, I understand he did later at uh, Alehouse Project, standing on the bar. How did that sit with... I, I, with people, you know, Australians are a little bit lower key, whereas sort of a, you know, Americans are that sort of bravado. Ra ra. Listen, um, I got the feel like I got the feeling that that's kind of part of his shtick. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's. I'm not going to diss it because it clearly works. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, there were a few people at Our Stars who were clearly stone disciples and uh, loved every minute of it. Was so. the Our Stars like billed as a stone? It Al-Stars? was. It was one. It yeah. Was kind, it so was people kind of, that were going to be there were going to. Be there for, to see Greg and Absolutely. have stone stuff. So there's people. Yeah, yeah. but there were some people we hadn't seen before who were, you know, felt who were uh, behaving like they were in the in the presence of a great god, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that was kind of cool to see. But um, he was really, uh, you know, people uh, you hear, hear and read things about Greg that um, clearly. Uh, Suggest uh, what we saw was very different to what uh, some some people have said about him. We found him very approachable. He in fact came back of his own volition the following night huh. and had a bunch of beers there, which we didn't know about. He came back unannounced, so I guess uh, he liked what we do. And um, mm. uh, I just hope that uh, in time that uh, Johnny can convince him to bring more of it back. And I think that uh, what he saw both at the Alehouse Project and the Tap House, I think, probably went some way to ensuring that might that'll happen sooner rather than later. I think one of the um, questions I've raised on the podcast was about bringing the, the beers in after he's, you know, always talking about grey beer and, and with good reason, you know, his beers aren't being presented as, as he wants them to be and then sort of doing a takeover and then taking all the beers away again. I guess I kind of wonder what the demand's going to be now for that grey imported stuff, which um, is still sitting in bottle stores now. Well, listen, I think uh, Stone have earned the right to do whatever they want. Yeah. And I think that uh, he can be as pedantic as he Wants, and I think a lot of brewers would like to be as fastidious about him about the re- rules and regulations. If you want my beer, you have to do it this way. And so I have a lot of respect um, for that. If he knows it's uh, he knows it's here and he doesn't like it, uh, he it's but it's not going to change his view. He'll send it to Australia when he's ready, when he's yep. convinced it's uh, it can be done it's the right way, um, no. right around the country. Obviously, Australia's a big country, so if it's going to be in the east coast and, and the west coast there's a lot of transport involved there's a lot mm. of costs that the distributor has to uh, somehow absorb and, and get it to the, in front of the customer at a price point that mm. uh, bearing bearing in mind that most of his beers are probably over six and a half seven percent and in australia with the excise laws that uh, presents a bit of a problem to, uh, in Definitely. terms of its affordability yeah uh, I mean, it would be would be great to, to see them over here. So fingers crossed for that because uh, what I had, I really enjoyed. 
Yeah, it'd be pretty exciting. I, th- I think it's, a, it's exciting because it's like with any of the American beers. Uh, I was saying the other day to someone that Australians, the beer fans, sometimes forget that the distributors are overseas cherry-picking the very best mm. beers that um, they find overseas. And so when they come to Australia, to say that American craft beer is awesome as a general rule is not right. There's mm. 2,800 breweries and, and probably half of them are pretty ordinary. Mm. Um, so what it does do, though, is when you get the likes of Stone, um, Deschutes and others that are c- coming in uh, from America or even from Europe is that I think uh, it's a nice little benchmark. And I think in some ways if you were to cherry pick the very best of Australian yeah, brews, I think we compare pretty favourably. Mm. Um, and I think uh, it's only going to get better. Mm. I think um, I was talking to... Manda and Rory, when they went across to America, they took a bunch of Australian beers with them. I think you guys did the same thing. Yeah, we had. And both in both uh, cases, when you had a little bottle share overseas, the standout beers was Stone and Wood Pacific Ale. Yeah, so we, when we were in Belgium, we were with some Americans as part of our, our group, and I was sort of agonising on what beers to take. You know, how do I present Australian beers in Belgium to American beer lovers, which is a, a pretty yeah, challenging a daunting task. task yeah. So I sort of asked everyone, and everyone just sort of said, Stone Award, you know, hands down. I thought, oh, it's a bit, a bit you know, boring because we're so used to it. And then uh, we decided to do it, and everyone, like, raved about it. Everyone's just like, wow, this is, you know, writing down the name of the beer, kind of, we need to get this. And it sort of made me realise, oh, hang on, this bo- I'm just used to this beer, but it's world class. But I think I have that thought every time I drink it. Yeah. That's I sort of overlook it for yeah. no good reason. And then when I do have it, I'm like, wow. Mm. Um, and that was interesting. And we also had the Feral Boris, uh, which, which everyone really liked, and the, uh, the Death from Above by oh, it's Garage a pretty, Project. Yeah, a pretty solid also. selection of beers you took across. Yeah. yeah, so it was great to see beers that we love. Uh, holding up against Holding up so yeah, well. Cool. And they've been you know, biking around Belgium with us. I, I've Bradley just come group. back from living in New York for 14 months and um, – made some great contacts there and I've got this little idea that I'd love to do over there that uh, maybe on the West Coast and the East Coast is to a great big Australian, New Zealand, mm. you know, takeover of, you know, 30 taps or something like that in the number of venues that uh, showcases the best. Because I think, like you just said, is that uh, we underestimate mm. and the more, the more geeky of the beer fans, it's a bit like the, um, you know, when you're like a musician is that if they, you don't kind of like the ones necessarily in your front yard mm. or in your own city as much as you might like the alluring... One that uh, happens to be overseas. Yeah. And I'm, I think I'm definitely guilty of, of that. I probably think both of us are to some extent forgetting yeah, what's, what's right in front of us uh, recently, and I've talked about this a lot. We had that. a chat with, um, with Hendo last week, mm. and he was saying, because we brought out uh, we had a beer that was American maybe, and he was saying how uh, he doesn't drink imported beers anymore because mm. he just wants to drink the freshest. So mm. he only seems to drink, not anti Distributed beer, like imported beers, but he just wants to drink the freshest stuff. So he I'm, I'm a bit like that. In the last, uh, particularly since I came back uh, four or five months ago, is that there? I don't not drink international yeah. beers, but I certainly have got a, a newfound respect for. Um, I, I, well, not that I didn't have it before, but I've got an even greater respect for the beers that are being produced out of here and uh, and the freshest. And I'm really keen to support those more than ever before. Mm. Cool, absolutely. definitely. All right. Well, seeing as this is still technically part of our catch up. All right. Dave, yeah. what else have you been up to? Um, <laughs> uh, we, last night we went and checked out a, well, new to me place. Yeah, that, we, uh, we think it's relatively new. Yeah, we probably should check this before we came on air, shouldn't we? Yeah. Um, it wouldn't, if it wasn't half-baked, it wouldn't be us, would it? We went to Forgotten Worlds on Johnson Street, which is like, uh, it's a bar with about 
dozen or 15 arcade machines, and they're all pretty good arcade machines too. There's no rubbish Just there. Classic, but, um, classic video games from, from our childhood. Yeah, sure. so we had a little bit of uh, nostalgia and a couple of nice cans. They've got, they got a great can range of yep. beers in the fridge. You got no taps, but mm. cool bottles and cans that you can enjoy. Mm. Uh, that's a pretty cool place. I'll be going back there. Yep. And then we wandered around to Turo, which we spoke to Tiff a couple of episodes ago now from Turo. And um, they're going really well. You went to the opening, didn't you? I went to the opening. And, yeah, it was uh, really nice. It's a really nice place. It, it feels it feels like I've been there. Feels like home. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. I'm sure apparently I got a little bit drunk last night and said that about four times, <laughs> uh, as Emma pointed out to me this morning. Uh, but it does. Yeah. So I wasn't wrong when I was drunk. I want to come to your house if you've got five beers. <laughs> <laughs> and really nice comfy couches. Yeah. And, <laughs> so many people in my house. So I've got to ask you, how much is an arcade game these days? Do you have to put coins in? Yeah, you yeah, do, but it's like pretty reasonable. Though. Dollar got you two credits, so 50 cents a game is... <laughs> Rip off. <laughs> I used to go like for 10 cents down at the corner milk bar. Yeah, <laughs> I think 20 cents is the standard for, for New I'm Zealand. I'm older than you, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, 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 we certainly put a few coins in machines yesterday, though. And we, yeah. we beat Golden Axe, which was pretty fun. Yes. I don't think I'd ever done that as a child. Um, it cost us a lot of dollar coins. Yeah, we put about $15 into the machine, but, but we got there. We're adults with jobs now, so we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> we made a reasoned decision. Yep. The um, other thing that happened in the last couple of weeks that I, I kind of wanted to raise was Qantas have changed their beer on their, their flights. They're saying it's sort of uh, to in response to customer feedback about getting some craft beers on. So they've, uh, from what I've seen, it's basically a switch from CUB to, to Lion, yeah. um, but they're including the, the Squires, Beers, and White Rabbit. On I think it's place. only one yeah, Squire Yeah, it's only beer. one. Just one Squire? One uh, 50 Lashes. One 50 Lashes. Yeah. And the White Rabbit I saw in brackets the other day when I was reading about it is first class only. Ah, okay. So I was a bit disappointed by that. I don't know why. But. Well, so my cynical at the time, and I am pretty cynical over social media, uh, saying that this was more of a business deal and marketing rather than a sort of a genuine attempt to, you know, do something that the customers want might be fairly accurate. I think you're right, but <laughs> I was also reading an article um, in uh, one of the online beer magazines about the uh, baseball stadium mm. in Washington, D.C., which I think is called the Nationals, I think, and uh, they've now turned over all their taps, I believe, to craft brewers mm. and a collection of craft brewers. So now they're putting saisons on the IPAs uh, on at the ballpark. And, and that was one of the things I really was surprised at because years ago when I was uh, – Went to the last went to the baseball. I went to in Queens. I had um, you know it was just the own, the basic beers you know, mm. that you imagine at the baseball. But this year at uh, well, last October, I went uh, to um, or August, I think it was. Went to uh, Yankee Stadium and went to sh- um, what used to be Shea Stadium, which is now City Field, mm. and they had inc- fantastic craft beers on tap, mm. as well as some imported, as well as some mainstream, um, you know, um, craft or Belgian beers owned by the big boys, mm. but uh, much much more impressive range than I expected. It was just fantastic. It's I think some of the um, the more uh, craft beer-centric cities have been doing it for a little while. So I think mm-hmm. in San Francisco, you can get stuff like 60-minute IPA on the, yep. the ballparks and that sort of stuff. So um, hopefully it grows a little bit. And it's probably going to be in discussion. I know that the a lot of the clubs in the AFL are getting very disgruntled about the prices of 
everything um, at the grounds about that at mm. the grounds because there's a lot lower this year we're seeing a lot lower um, attendances and I think the, the the clubs are pushing the fact that well when it costs you fourteen dollars to get a bottle of water and a pie that's probably going to drive a lot of families away from mm. going to the football so I think if they're going to rethink rethink their value structure they might start thinking about putting a little bit of um, listen I still ultimately think it's about dollars and cents yeah. I think that we're not uh, we're not mature enough on craft beer market uh, I, it's inevitable it might take ten years before or it happens like well, that's sort of how far behind we are of America. I guess. Well, you know, I think everyone, some people you say eight years, whatever. You know, mm. I think that what we are doing, I think, is we're accelerating quite quickly. Mm. And I think that uh, if we're eight years, for 10 years before we're eight, you know, if, if you use that example, I think that uh, we're certainly accelerating quicker than America is, yeah. if mm. that makes sense. It took America, you know, since the late 70s with Sierra Nevada is probably the, the best one, um, just, I guess, discounting anchor in some way. But yeah, it's taken a long time and a lot of um, hard work from. Sierra Nevada especially, I guess, to, to sort of drag everyone up and, and now, um, you know, the last 20 years it's kind of exploded. It's really – for me, to observing, particularly coming back from overseas, is that it's really uh, – in the last 12 months, 18 months, has been a real acceleration I've noticed. And, mm. and I think one of the indicators of that is obviously beer specialist venues, not only beer specialist venues but other venues who just improve their the beers that they have. Mm. In Brisbane – in the last 18 months, it's been staggering what's mm. happened there. Like two and two and a half years ago, um, there was really nothing. Archive was probably the only one at that point. Yeah. Um, and now in Australia, in Melbourne, sorry, you're seeing it. Sydney is exploding uh, and in inner city Melbourne particularly. Mm. Like there was that thing in Time Out magazine I saw a few days ago online that uh, it was about Collingwood as a hotspot for craft beer and they had about six or eight venues yeah. uh, listed. Um, so I think uh, the more – it's kind of like um, – It'll just um, happen much more quickly now, mm. I think, that you'll see these sort of things happening. And it's interesting. We mentioned Forgotten Worlds and we didn't know it had opened. Um, and a year ago, maybe yeah, even a year ago, if a bar opened, they had that range of beers. We would have lost our minds. Everyone, and everyone yeah. would have known about it straight away and word would have spread really quickly. As far as he's kind of been humming along in the background and no one's talking about it. And I think... Well, I think it's funny. The first time I'd actually seen the high-res cans from Six Point was in this little arcade bar, bar that no one had heard of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Anything else? You, well, I was away for a week. Did you do anything while I was away besides no. the opening in the stone? Oh, I did the Carnival's Ball with um, put on by Burger Mary. Uh, that was yes. that? Uh, really good. So that was her sort of American barbecue um, fried chicken event where she gets her sort of favorite producers and you get um, – we had some slow-cooked lamb and some beef, uh, some fried chicken from – Rockwell Sons, Sons, which we yes. talked about last episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good fried chicken. And we'll chicken, continue though. in further episodes, no doubt. And then we had some uh, some really nice pork fat donuts, which were just ridiculously good, like the highlight of the evening. And <laughs> a, a really good, when I was going in, I, I kind of know Jess a little bit, and she said, you'll be glad to know we've got good beer this time. And I hadn't been to the previous one, so I didn't know what she meant, but I'd seen it was sponsored by Little Creatures, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. And we walked in, and there was a, a whole list of American beers, so he's obviously cherry-picked beers that fit the theme. So we were able to drink some, you know, uh, Six Point. Um, I, we had, when we had dessert, we had um, Founders breakfast out with our donut. Perfect. So, yeah, again, it's showing how things have changed. The last time she did this thing, there was sort of no craft offerings, and this time sponsored by Little Creatures and a nice range of, of other craft beers. It's very exciting, isn't it? Mm. Really oh, exciting. Makes me happy because mm. <laughs> you can get a good beer anywhere. Mm. Um, Hmm. All right. Other than that, all right, we'll come back. I think and we're we'll, all caught up now. Yep, we can delve into um, I think a couple of things that Steve touched on uh, after a short break. Great.
Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Steve and Dave. Welcome. Thank you. Now, we're approaching a very, very exciting part of the year that I think I start looking forward to it as soon as it finishes, but we're approaching Good Beer Week. I've, I've actually kind of already half-planned events for next Good Beer Week uh, <laughs> before this one's even started. So I think everyone loves Good Beer Week here in Melbourne. Yeah, exactly right. Um, it's, it's, and we have a good man in the studio to uh, run us through a few things. Yeah. Good Beer so Week-wise. Maybe we'll start with Gabs. Uh, Steve, Gabs is in its fourth year, third year? Depends on how you rate or rank it. Like uh, the, the first one that was held at the Tap House was called the Great Australian Beer Spectacular. Yeah. Um, and the, but the first one at the Royal Exhibition Building was this, is, this would be the third one the Royal Exhibition Building has the Great Australasian Beer Spectacular, which thankfully we just, most people know is just Gabs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the time we thought it was a great idea <laughs> to call it that. Um, so for people that I'm assuming everyone that listens to this does know, but. People that don't, it's basically uh, you guys get a whole bunch of brewers together to brew one-off beers for the event, and people go along and, and try a whole range of beers. This year, you're 100 and, I think 116, was it now? Something like that. Like, you know, yesterday we scratched one, and, uh, you know, there's been beers adding and ch- chopping and changing, yep. but we're getting pretty close. So it's, uh, it's nearing 120. Yep. Um, Which is the one that got scratched yesterday? Can't say. I don't, I don't think it's fair to the brewer to oh, say. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah it's uh, like there's been a couple like that, and there's also been a couple that haven't been able to guarantee that the beer is going to be not they... no, not available elsewhere until after. Oh, gap, I see. Which is right. kind of a condition of yep. entry. Mm-hmm. So their their beer is going to be sold at uh, at a stand. Uh-huh. Um, so they're those little kind of machinations, but. Um, yeah, I think there's a yes, whatever there is. I think about seventy five, seventy eight percent are Australian, yep. and the rest uh, there's a bunch of New Zealanders, and we then uh, have a small spot where we invite we can invite others, mostly international brewers, mm. to brew a beer as well. And so uh, last year I think we had n- we listed ninety two, a couple were scratched on the day, mm. so ninety two, sixty the year before, twenty the year before that. So it's it's um, we were going to cap it at one hundred and twenty this year anyway. So we're, we almost made it. That is a lot, isn't it? <laughs> it is a lot. But, you know, you know th- while the festival beers, as we call them, are, are a highlight, this year we've got about 150 other beers. And I would hazard a guess that 98% of the people in those, in that, who attend the event won't have tasted 5% of those beers. Right. So if you look at it that way, there's like 300 beers that, uh, that uh, most people won't have ever tasted before. And I think, but, but how many, like if I go to GABF, I don't try and drink 2,800 beers. It's, it's always an element. Most beer festivals you go to, you, you make uh, uh, an educated mm. guess or, or you do a bit of homework about what beers you'd like to try. Um, I think uh, there are only a small minority, thankfully, who try and drink every beer. Yeah. That, 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 I, that. I did that the first year, not by accident, um, but I was, got to the end of the first session and went, oh, I'm halfway through. I'm doing another session tomorrow. I might as well just mm-hmm. finish them. And I think I end up losing a lot of really good beers amongst that lot, which um, what I sort of mentioned before, you know, tasters, well, I'm yeah. moving towards drinking bigger beers. But, I mean, for me, the thing I love about Gabs is sitting around trying a whole bunch of random beers with a whole bunch of random people. Exactly right. And sort of generating that conversation. So the two most enjoyable Gab sessions last year I had was when I – Decided I wasn't lining up anymore to get paddles. I was just going to have a wander around the place and sit with a few different groups of people and have a chat to them and see what they were enjoying. And I thoroughly enjoyed those sessions. I, I agree. And that's yeah. kind of the way we designed it is that um, with the tasting paddles, what they're a pain in the backside to pour. They're inefficient to pour. Um, but I don't know if there's another fe- – someone told me there might be a festival in Japan where you can get 
similar tasters, mm. but I'm not aware of any others myself. Um, but I like the other festivals I've always been to. You get like a hundred meal in a small glass, and you you drink it, and then you queue up for another line. You mm. have it, but the idea of being able to get uh, what is it? Uh, 450 mils of in, in a tasting paddle. You actually can go back to your table and we provide seating for 3,000 mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And then we provide this this tasting booklet, which this year is 24 pages, not 16. And to, to, for, it's tremendously satisfying for us to see people in discussion about the beers, reading the notes, learning and saying, what do you think of this one? I don't like it. I love it, et cetera. It's just, that's really, really exciting. And then flicking through the pages and getting excited about things yeah. they're reading yep. that they haven't tried yet. No, it's, and it's learning about fun. brewers because, of course, the tiniest brewers could be right next to, on the tap and in the guide, next to Matilda Bay. Mm. And we, we treat all equally. Yeah. So mm. for people to learn about new beers, new breweries, is, is a really cool thing. Sorry, our producers are slacking off out there. And I think she just got bored. Playing some music. loud music out there. Uh, you mentioned about um, people trying; they haven't tried most of the beers, and sort of, you know, you can come in and, and you're going to try a whole bunch of different things. Uh, you, I understand, there's a new system in place uh, to guide people that might not know everything about beer. Yeah, well, listen, the vast majority of people go in there and go, "Where do I start?" They literally are, are over overwhelmed by the choice. And last, we've, you know, we we surveyed about a thousand people and got some really cool feedback, which has helped us shape the event and. One of the things that we started to do last year is we put every session a different starters paddle, which we change every time so people kind of knew where to start. This year, we've actually introduced a a colour coding that uh, is based on our own, I guess, subjectivity, but we wanted to bracket beers into what we decided to do was three categories. So we've got kind of easier drinking beer, a more moderately challenging beer, and then I think it's – there's a moderate beer and then there's a more challenging beer. And – just so people go in there and they don't start off with the, you know, super challenging beers. Mm. They know kind of it's a bracket. Now, some people are going to say, well, that should be in that category and that should be – that's fair enough. That's going to happen. Yeah. We can't please everyone. But it's designed shut to – shut up really, can't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's designed <laughs> it's to give – It's a simple people, system. Yeah. yeah. It's designed to people – so at a glance on the menu boards and in the book and on the apps, you're going to say, okay, these are the easy drinking. This is what they suggest are easy drinking beers to start with. I should, you should try all of them. But as we said earlier, Luke, it's one person's beginner beer is, is another person's moderate beer. So mm. there is certainly a subjectivity there. So we were very – we tried to be careful in our wording such as easier drinking, not easy drinking, uh, moderately challenging, not challenging because mm. uh, obviously there's that subjectivity. But I think that will help. I hope it does. And I guess as we sort of said, people sitting there with their, their paddles, discussing with their neighbour, word of mouth you know, a, a really good beer will spread around that table pretty quickly. Ah, like, oh, great, I'll try that one as well. Um, yeah. And that was definitely, I didn't go to the last one. I was trying to save my money and I was just hating watching people on social media. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is great. This is terrible. This is all, I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm missing out on a, um, the social element, definitely. Well, it's super cool as well because the brewers, like, you know, there's been some examples, a growing number of examples every year of brewers who have, reacted to the response from people so it's been social media or just word of mouth or whatever it might be that they've heard their beer has been really um, well taken to and mm. they've then subsequently gone on to make the beer and taco from two birds yep. is a great example of that i think it's about ready to become out in bottles yes, that's right. as their yeah. third beer the, in the, the new, range new batch i think started pouring yesterday on tom taps yep and yeah, bottles are packages are on the way. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty so, exciting. You know, that's the, a great example. Um, Hustle Hop is another. All of little brewing companies beers at Gabs have been launched as a new range. So the Gunnamatta, Gunnamatta is a good one. Yeah, Gunnamatta. So I love that yeah. story because they yeah. brewed that literally as a one-off, and then they took it back and they won, or they won the People's Choice Best Beer of the event. 
and uh, then they brewed more of it, and then it is now their biggest selling beer in yeah. their range. And then they were just invited, obviously, to mm. uh, to England to brew their beer, which Friday two weeks ago I think was suddenly appeared at nine hundred pubs <laughs> across England, yeah. which is unbelievable. Yeah. And apparently, the feedback to that has been been really really good. So they're um, I think they're looking to open up sort of or, or contract out their stuff um, to a brewery there as well so they can have a permanent presence yeah. over there, which is just fascinating. And uh, I think an example of the changing changing world of beer where they can go, oh, hang on, we can just brew it over there and, and you know, we're contract brewers, we've got that flexibility. So yeah. that's interesting. But also they can like treat uh, – it's not going to happen that way, but they with the beers they make for the one-off event, they can treat it as like a sample of a whole of 10,000 people. Yeah. Well, that, that, it's, it's, it's the exactly testing right. ground. Yeah. Exactly right. Absolutely. So they and can that's just what... test it there without fear because yep. it is for that purpose. Well, you've got a very receptive crowd yeah, exactly. who are looking to try uh, beers and uh, – I, I, I find that really, really exciting. Mm. I think more and more, like this year, I know that uh, there is probably at least 20 breweries who are, who are brewing beers with, which are going to be very closely monitoring. And if you read some of the blogs and interviews with these people, they're mm. saying it's a one-off, but I'll see what the reaction yeah. is. And uh, I guess that's the whole idea of Gabs, that all of these people were releasing specialty beers throughout the year. And we just said, listen, why don't we just get you all lined up and we'll just release this one, mm. one of your beers new beers at, uh, at the same occasion and that's pretty you know it's a pretty good celebration of that. yeah absolutely so you mentioned uh, a lot of the, the interviews on blogs that are sort of going around at the moment I think I did that the first gabs um, I just grabbed a few and a few people and said you know tell me about your beer and, and it's great to see that other blogs are sort of doing that because you know it's so interesting to hear people's thoughts and what they're doing and and what goes into the beer and um, I, I sort of like that you guys are supportive of that as well uh, you know, you got that email to a lot of bloggers saying, you know, come along um, sort of on us, which is really exciting. Uh, and not a lot of events do that. It's kind of that love-hate with bloggers out there. Uh, you know, some people were like, well, bloggers are just, you know, guys with a, a WordPress account and that's about it, which a lot are. Um, but, you know, there are some really interesting things happening on blogs like these interviews. Yeah, listen, I think uh, like any part of the business, or there's there's people who do a great job and there are people who who don't uh, approach it in the same ways that we do. And so we, we, I read almost all those blogs mm. and um, we chose a selection of, of bloggers and uh, we thought we'd invite them along to the event. We also asked them for ideas that, uh, for the Cooper's Craft Beer College seminars. Yep. And, uh, and I, I think engaging them, like as I said, we haven't invited everybody. We get emails every other day asking for a blog, some blogger wanting to, a media pass. So, so we're, we're quite discerning about it, but uh, I, I think they're a valuable part of, of the industry and I think mm. that people listen to them and um, I think it would be crazy to, to ignore them. Mm. Um, also, you guys are upping, I know you've got a cask bar at Gabs this year. You had a cask takeover recently as well, uh, which I'm, I'm a huge fan of cask beer, as listeners will know. Uh, so what's sort of the thought process about sort of bringing that in, involved as well? Well, again, living in the States, I got to try um, a number of beers um, on casks that uh, had, were favourites on tap prior. And uh, that said, I also went to some great beer bars that had cask ales that were simply too old. So mm. we've, all, we've had the, we, we uh, had our first cask ale on at the tap house probably three or four years ago. And uh, we've plumbed for it, ready to go. But we don't yet feel at the tap house it's something that warrants a full-time yeah. presence because um, – 
you've got to obviously look after the beer and turn it over very quickly if you, if, for it to be in its optimum condition. But we wanted to do a cut. We wanted to do events. So we thought, well, let's do a one-day event and we get uh, the, some of the better Australian brewers to put one of their regular beers, maybe with a twist into a cask, and um, we call that the Rock the Cask Bar mm. event. It wasn't a spectacular. It was just Rock the Cask Bar. And that went quite well, although we, it was a bit of a test for Gabs. Yep. And so we had to hold – we hold, held it earlier in the year and it just happened to be a 42-degree uh, day, which uh. is not ideal cask drinking weather. <laughs> um, but it was a great te- test. And so we're going to have, I think, about uh, eight or ten Australian brewers putting their beers in cask. And that's going to be served at the, um, uh, at the tap house stands at Gabs uh, under hand, with hand pump. Great. As well, so there's going to be a nice cool lineup of these uh, things. We've only got limited amounts, but there's an allocation set for for each um, session. But that's one of the things I think people who have been in previous years, or even will particularly notice, is different. Is that the whole uh, marketplace, all the stands, has really been elevated this year. So we've it's got prime position in the whole kind of centre area of the venue. We've got. Uh, about 50% more stands than last year. But I guess the biggest difference is we've worked really hard with the exhibitors to make it engaging because I think, you know, I go to a lot of beer festivals here and overseas and almost all of them are just uh, are the brewers with a mobile bar pouring mm. the beer. And that's great in certain circumstances, but I, I, I think that there are some brewers who are really lifting, the, raising the bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we're looking at doing at Gabs is to raise it to a level that I guess no one's ever seen before. But- and uh, that's really exciting. We've so. regularly discussed the art of the festival, mm. and uh, certain people do it a lot better than others. And yeah. I think it has to be Luke's little in terms of the, the catchphrases, the trestle some... tables, and pale ales is not cutting it anymore. So, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, if you've been, if you've gone to one festival and then you go again the next year, and it's more or less the mm-hmm. same, yeah. same beers, uh, or even in one summer, if there, what there was four or five festivals around Greater Melbourne or Victoria, um, is that if you've you've had been to one festival, you've probably had all the beers at every other festival. Mm. So what's different about them? And mm. obviously the music lineup of, is is different, and that's that can be good. But I guess with Gabs, that was the festival beers is, is one thing that every year is going to change. Mm. But we wanted to provide sh- showcase these uh, brewers and brewing businesses in a way that no one's ever seen them before. So Garage Project is uh, people, a lot of people in the beer industry know are setting the bar very high in New Zealand. Mm. They're building a stand, which I can tell you is out of this world for Gabs. Any, um, any hint? Because I saw, saw Steve on a, a video the other day talking about it and he was refusing. Steve? Uh, no, sorry, Joss? Guy. Sorry. Guy, a guy. Um, and he was refusing to give anything away. Well, we can't, no, because <laughs> it's, it's so cool though. It's really cool. And, you know, they're going to the nth degree and yep. you know, they're flying people over from, from New Zealand to build their set wow. or their stand and, you know, there's going to be lights and all this sort of stuff. But... Um, <laughs> So they, you know, that's the nth degree, but it doesn't, doesn't mean you have to spend much money to be yeah. creative. Mm-hmm. Like there are some exhibitors, like one of the things that we're working with this year is that um, to say, how do we get people to come to your stand at least once during a session? And ideally, how do you get them to come twice? Okay. And so what we've worked with a lot of these people who have been open to this idea is, and, uh, is that they're going to run a series of events, mini events at their stand. So Saturday afternoon, for instance, at two o'clock, you might be able to sit down around, you might win a ticket for to sit down around the table with eight other people with the brewer from Deschutes and uh, he'll give you a, a tasting of his beers. At three o'clock, they might have half a dozen very rare bottles that n- never appeared in Australia before that uh, if you get up and have it form a line, you might get to taste. Mm. And so there's lots of that sort of stuff going on. So at the moment, I think there's something like 60 events happening at the stands and we'll be listing them on our app and on the boards. Yeah. And I think I expect uh, there's going to the stands are going to really kind of elevate. And I think if if you were to turn up and just have a trestle table mm. and, a, and a mobile bar, I think you're, you're not doing yourself um, justice. So mm. we're encouraging as much as we can brewers to do that because uh, I think it's a new era for exhibitors. That's really exciting because 
the marketplace is definitely going to be my focus yeah. at Gabs this year. So, I think so for me, um, yeah. yeah, I'm really set like it's, it, it, We've always wanted it to be part of the event, and we, we understand that the point, big point of difference is the festival beers. But if done well, if, if the exhibitors can do it, make a highly engaging experience is that we feel that that can be a, a highlight as well. And so right, as I said, the containers are going to be at either end of the building as opposed to closer towards the middle. So, And then the whole central corridor is going to be stands that are facing each other. So last year they were back-to-back facing out. This year they're going to, we're creating a long corridor. So you pass through this corridor of exhibitor stands and um, like um, Stone and Wood are bringing their caravan down mm. um, uh, experience it. I bring all these their international brewers over, and they're going to be doing all sorts of things. In fact, at the uh, I think it's the Better Beer Imports stand. Uh, ben Krause on Sunday afternoon at three o'clock is having an arm wrest challenge, arm wrestling challenge. So there's that you know there's the quirky, there's yeah. the ones that are beer related. There's it's I think it's going to be really cool. It's really sound, it sounds really it. fun. Yeah. I wonder if we can convince Soren from Eight Wired in New Zealand to arm wrestle Ben Krause. I think that might be an interesting one. Well, I found out <laughs> after the listing came in uh, of what uh, the events a Better Beer Import stand were doing is I subsequently, because I tweeted or something about it, and I uh, subsequently found out that Ben Krause had been dobbed in by John Cope Williams without his knowledge or consent. Right. Um, but he's being a good sport and he's doing it. In fact, uh, MX, one of our media partners, is uh, is taking a photograph. We're trying to schedule a, a photograph for their a newspaper of Ben kind of arm wrestling um, to kind of uh, promote his uh, his stand. I so. wouldn't be confident arm wrestling, Ben. I wouldn't. I no, I wouldn't either. I, I put my hand up, you know, as a good sport. Yeah, the first one I said, yeah. I'll take you on. But he's a pretty fit, strong yeah, guy. he certainly I, I is. Think, Lugging um, bags of grain yeah. and mountain biking all the time. I think I might have uh, bruised knuckles. That's, that's what I said to him. Yeah. I think I'll be pulling a hammy in the morning or something. <laughs> Uh, we mentioned there'll be sort of little events happening throughout Gabs, uh, so let's I guess discuss what you guys are doing during the doing during the week of Good Beer Week. Uh, every day, you're releasing a, a beer, is that right? Or sorry, yeah, we've got a bunch a bunch of ideas that we're doing that week. It's always kind of a, it's the busiest week of the year for us, and sadly, we kind of put so much on that we don't get to explore other things. Especially with we're setting up Gabs that week as well, but uh, we've got. Um, We've called it Mystery Cellar Dwellers, and we've put it out there to a number of distributors uh, to provide rare uh, beers that have never been in Australia before. And uh, I think about 9.30 every morning, we're going to put it out on the social media that this is the beer that we've got on, and we're going to – all, it'll all be in bottles, and at 5 o'clock um, every day, we'll open those bottles. In a couple of cases, the brewer will be in attendance. And uh, it's kind of a, just a fun thing that we thought would be, we'd, we'd do – and it's at five o'clock, so if people want to go to other events at other venues anywhere around the place, that it's at a time that they could probably pop into the town. Yeah, exactly right. That a lot of them are going elsewhere. So, yeah, you're yeah. Right. so that's um, so I think we've got nine or ten or eleven um, really cool beers that um, you've never seen here before, and uh, you'll you'll be able to get them in tasters only. Yeah, and. Um, we're trying to make them as affordable as possible. Obviously, when you bring over these extremely rare, often salad beers, mm. they're super expensive. So I think we're basically just selling them at cost and we're just going to all have a bit of fun and, and uh, try some of these beers that rate very, very highly on uh, the, uh, the rating sites. Mm. Cool. It's really exciting. Uh, anything else going on during Good Beer Week that you want to... Well, yeah, we've got... I'm um, really excited on the Tuesday night. We've got a American All-Star Ale Stars is what we've called it. Mm. Oops. And um, we've got four American brewers... From the shoots, Stillwater, um, Six Point, and Brooklyn Brewery, uh, who are going to be in the house talking about their American beers. Uh, Brewers and Chewers is always a bit of a highlight. That happens on the Wednesday night, and we've got eight or nine brewers um, sitting down and playing musical chairs with us. 
Uh, and then we've got a bunch of other event, event, events. Oh, the one on Monday night I'm particularly excited about is uh, we've got Moondog versus um, oh, Garage yes. Project. Mm. And so it's a bit of a bit of a love-in, really, for people who like beers that push the brewers and beers that push the boundaries. And so yeah. I think – and they've gonna ha- they're going to bring a number of beers that they're brewing – just for that event as well, yeah. so that's going to be a lot what of fun. And that's free, free to enter. Um, the Monday night is there a barrel? That's the no Monday night is the Garage Project uh, on okay. the Sunday afternoon. Or maybe the Sunday afternoon is, is the Barrel and off. Beast. So we've got oh, Barrel right. Age yes. beers and slow cooked meats. I, I, in New York, I completely fell in love with barbecue beer. My waistline doesn't appreciate it, but uh, <laughs> but oh, American barbecued meats are something to behold. Particularly um, brisket, I'm very very partial. <laughs> Extremely partial. So I, I, I came back, and one of the first things I did, I came back, and we were deciding on food vendors for the for the market store, is for the various market stores, and we wanted to refresh the overall thing. So we we replaced about 40 percent of it, and we've brought in milk the cow cheese uh, from Argerie. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, a stand that's making um, ice cream with beer using liquid nitrogen, mm-hmm. and we've got fancy Hanks, which is kind of uh, one of the Better. I know them well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I had a so, few mentions on this very yeah. podcast. Yeah, so yeah. they're going to set up their smoker outside the building, and uh, I'm really, really excited about having that. That was very much me coming back going, we've got to find a barbecue. Well, I think yeah, that's the same day as the Vudermont lunch. For the Barrel and Beast. Yeah, yeah, so I think I penciled in, if I can move after that, I'll be swinging down. And so that's on with Garrett Oliver, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's something I really like, would yeah. like to attend. I, I met him a couple of times. I went kind of the Brewers Association of America's um, high-end event is Saver, which is was in New York last year, usually in DC, and I went along to that, and it's uh, and I met uh, Garrett. He's such an eccentric, fantastic character. He's such mm-hmm. a great ambassador for that uh, for that business. And I don't know if you're aware that they've just opened this uh, incredible brewery um, in partnership with Carlsberg, I think, in uh, in Sweet. I knew that was coming. I don't know. I saw a photograph the yeah. other day somewhere of of you know all the principals standing around, you know, congratulating themselves, and I think drinking at the opening of it. So. That's taking over the world. Interesting, the machinations of the beer industry and mm-hmm. how these things are working at the moment. Um, anything else that you wanted to add, Steve? Or? I guess the one other thing is on the Friday night. Like, we have, I don't know what your guys' views about uh, beer and food pairing are. We take a, a fairly neutral view. Is that I think it's, um, by and large, beer should just be drunk and enjoyed without too much wankery. Yeah. Um, but we do – so that's why we have – we choose good food vendors – um, at the at the food 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 stands, um, but we really wanted to have uh, one high end, higher end beer and food pairing event because we know there's a market for it and we enjoy it at times as well. So we um, we've done a fantastic um, partnership with um, Stefano's Two Hat Restaurant in Mildura, and Stefano obviously owned Mildura Brewery as well. So on the Friday night, we've got this uh, where the VIP bar was two years ago up on the balcony overlooking the whole hall. We've got this event for 120 people only um, that's going to be really fantastic. And we've got uh, five brewers attending with their beers. We've got Brendan Varis. We've got Dave Padden from Riverside. We've got um, Leo from Bill Del Borgo and soon to be Nomads. And uh, we've also got uh, someone from Mornington, uh, sorry, from um, Mildura. But we've also, and we've got uh, Shane from Six Point. Great. So, uh, and we're going to be pairing the two food prepared by Mildura, um, Stefano's with these great beers. And I'm really excited about that, just being a, an event upstairs. I was fortunate enough to hear Stefano talk recently at a, a festival about beer and food and, and his approach and um, it, was, it was pretty inspiring like he's, he's really passionate about it and really interested in, in bringing good beer to the table which is something that um, you know I, I'm interested in as well yeah we actually um, I, it just didn't occur to me um, until I went to the Ballarat Beer Festival and I you know I know Stefan I bumped into before I know the 
know this story, um, but it just didn't occur to me until I saw him there and he had his cookbook on the display, I think, um, one of his cookbooks. And I, the penny dropped and I went and I spoke to him and I said, mm. we got a chat and we hooked up in Sydney. But the, my first approach was just a bit of, for a bit of fun, but also because she's a great name, was to do um, a Maggie beer, ah, Maggie a beer, beer. Uh, event. And uh, regret, uh, sadly, she's, well, not, maybe not in hindsight, but she said she was unable to do it. But um, I think that's the element of the, the food, the VIP food and beer experience will probably be elevated in years to come. And maybe as we go into state, because the plan is to, to, to kind of spread, uh, if we can, um, Gab's into roll it off uh, the following weekends into different cities. That's a lot of work um, for you guys. <laughs> it, is, it is a lot of work, but um, you know that's always been, I guess, the initial goal. It's why we bought the shipping containers because we own all the infrastructure now, and so all of that just packs up into the containers. And if we can just then put it on a train, send it up to Sydney, or send it over to Perth, um, it would be a smaller one-day event, certainly initially. Um, but all these beers get made for the event, so it really has to be subsequent weekends um, because. That's what it's yeah, about. Exactly. So we would just say to the brewers, instead of getting X kegs, can we have 10 kegs? Mm. And, uh, and we'd roll so people around the country. You know, the hardcore will come to the main event in Melbourne because there's a lot more brewers in town for good beer week and so forth. But given that the vast majority of attendees are more casual beer drinkers, um, we'd love to really do that. That's certainly, you know, the big day out of beer would mm. be kind of cool. That'd be exciting. Yeah. Um, we should actually mention, we forgot to mention we're drinking a beer at the start. We've I think we've, we have like, forgotten a few things today. We actually. have forgotten a few yeah. things. Um, I've just finished it. Uh, was the Black Dog out of, out of here. The barley wine, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. the barley wine. Uh, Victorian Brewery, that's their Bone Crusher Barley Wine 2012. 12%. Does it mention what the, because uh, there are, Tamanic Cellars Winery, and they've used yeah, a, so a, what wine they've used an estate term? barrel. I think it might have been a sweet wine, maybe a musk or something like that. I don't recall. Can't see it Again, we should label. have thought about this before we got on air. Yeah. Have they? Is the 2012 the first year they made this yes. barley wine? Yes, it was. Right. Yeah. So, so I would suggest from the the way they've labelled it is that it's going to be an annual thing, and they'll sell us some. And mm. once upon a, one day down the track, you'll get the fantastic. I'm uh, not sure if he made one in 2013 because that was when he was uh, rebuilding his brewery. Okay. Um, so I, he, he may have. I'm not yeah. sure, but I don't remember hearing a lot about it. So it was barrel fermented and matured in French oak octave, octave, octave. That was pre-soaked with a 20-year-old white tawny and a Belgian yeast of strain course. that was used to add extra funk. Uh, really good, holding up amazingly mm-hmm. well for, for just over well, under two years, we think. And I drank mine pretty easily, considering yeah, it's, it's going down pretty easily, isn't it? Eleven thirty in the morning, and it was a twelve percent beer. So was that is that available at um, regular stores, or did you get that direct from the brewery? Oh, I Dave? got it from the brewery um, when so I went he, up there. He's but, starting to sort of roll out more of his beers around Melbourne, you're sort of seeing them pop up a little bit more. Because obviously, like, his production's increased yeah. a whole lot since he's had a new brew house in, so we'll see a lot more of them. Mm. But um, he's putting together a pretty solid uh, his, collection of beers. His IPA was my f- favourite Australian beer of, of last year. I put it number one in the um, you know top 100 in countdown the, for yep. me. Uh, it was a, a really good beer. The Pale great. Ale's really good as well, yeah. Yep. Hmm. Good work, James. Yeah, and uh, thanks for bringing this one along, Dave. Pleasure. Thank you. We should also mention the other housekeeping we forgot. Every every break we've had so far, we've mentioned that we should shout out to Toehider again for giving us our theme music. Um, so thank you, Toehider. Yep. Every every guitar solo that you hear is Toehider. So thanks to those guys. Yep. You can look them up on the internet. There, you know how to use the internet. You can do it. Yeah. All right. Anything else, uh, Steve, you wanted to add? What beers have you been drinking that uh, you like of in the last... Uh 
few weeks. I, I had the uh, mountain goat India red eye, which I just loved. Yeah, we discussed that on the show last week and the week before. Yeah, when Josh I, was in, that was his recommendation. The yeah. rare breed. I tried uh, in Sydney. I was at the Darlow Tap House a couple of weekends ago, and uh, I tried the Shenanigans Saison, which uh, is their first beer. And this, this is these are some tap house customers that um, they actually wanted to brew a beer for Gabs, but uh, thought better maybe wait till next year. Mm. Um, but that was terrific. Uh, I thought the Grifter Black IPA was – I had a few of those. I thought mm. that was really good. Some of their so, beers are coming out of – Yeah. And yeah. I had some – and uh, I did an interview up there with da- um, Dave Padden and I did an interview and I tried some of his beers I hadn't had in a while and mm. he's doing a great job. They're really so solid. Yeah, that Grifter, um, they, they had one of my favourite IPAs last year, the Big Sur. Yeah. I really liked that beer. Yeah. So, um, well, that's a, that's a regular in their range, yeah, isn't that's it? Right. Yeah, I'm not sure if the Black, the black IPA was uh, brewed for Brew Vegas, I think. Brew Vegas? Brew yeah. Vegas. And um, – I think their react, the re- reaction that they're getting from around the place is that it might um, encourage them to brew it more often. That's I very cool. I think us Melbournians slash Victorians might be in a, for a bit of a shock to to see what's actually happening up in Sydney and, and Brisbane in terms of the beer coming out because some really talented breweries up there putting out some really amazing beers that we're not really getting down here just yet. There's sort of a little you know couple around, so uh, I, I, you know, I can't wait to get up to Sydney and, and Brisbane soon and. Uh, Really yeah, I'd love to go to Brisbane and see what it's looking like now. Yeah, yeah well, there's new brewery, like obviously there's Green Beacon and Newstead Brewing I just heard about a couple of weeks ago, which have done a fantastic job on their brewery um, bar. Um, we're just going through a process at the moment of, of pulling a lot of those breweries, the cherry picking the best from those breweries and sending it down to Melbourne that don't, um, and Sydney to the tap houses. So that's really exciting because, as you say, some of these guys aren't yet set up for distribution beyond their own neighbourhood in some mm. cases. So... Um, It'll be nice to kind of sample some of that stuff, but mm. it's really, really exciting what's going on. I just feel like, it, to be honest, for me, we've been open for six years at the Tap House in St Kilda, and I thought it would. Ha- I knew it was going to happen. We all know what's going to happen down the mm. road, but uh, I did think it was going to happen sooner. And I think, in some ways, while Good Beer Week is Melbourne's Good Beer Week and Gabs and uh, uh, are doing great things for the industry locally, but also nationally, I think uh, I, I've been surprised that Melbourne, in terms of its venues, until the last maybe three or four or five months has been a bit slow, like mm. a Biro didn't, it went, you know, shut down and sadly Josie Bone shut down. But in Sydney, it's been like mushrooms. So it'll be good, obviously, with Two Row, what they're planning at Forrester's Beer Hall. Um, you know, all of that stuff is really happening. So I think it's, again, we're just about to see a, a bit of a growth spurt, mm. you might say. And it's, good, it's great to see um, you guys pushing that next step. You know, you're talking about that sort of big day out of beer and, and gabs and, you know, continually pushing um, anyone else coming into the market to say, you know, this is how you can do it really well. Let's sort of raise the bar. Well, the so, listen, there's so much room. People ask me, what's your favourite bar? And people, you know, people have an opinion. Well, you know, I love, I love, I'm, I haven't been to Turo yet, but I know I'm going to like it. Mm. Um, there's so much room for so many good beer bars in town. Mm. I think uh, it's one of the things I've, I've um, really noticed that in America, people kind of champion, they don't kind of, they're, they're, the serious beer fans are not particularly loyal to mm. breweries or venues. So ultimately, you've got to get your fundamentals right. So what you said about Turo is really encouraging, I think, for them is that they make it feel like your home. So mm. if it's just about the beer, I think that uh, you'll, you'll have a moment and then you'll probably sadly fade away. I think mm. you've got to get the fundamentals right of being a great hospitality space where people can come and, and feel like... But also, they also launched their food menu just last night. Yeah, they um, And so with not a great deal of time to work on it and this and that, it was exceptional yeah. it's, so, it's very limited it's cheese toasties um, but that's their plan though. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's by design and can't go wrong I'm happy oh man the ones that we had last night there was a, the pretzel bun which Tiff mentioned when she was on the show 
There was one that had pretzel bun of, with Gruyere cheese, ham, and beer mustard. It was so it was good. delicious. Um, um, well, what was the other, some of the other ones uh, we had? There was some with soft, one with some blue cheese, cheese that was pretty delicious. Can you stop? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe what time, we'll, what time they open? <laughs> maybe we'll um, come back and we can take a short break and then we'll recommend some things if, as if you haven't had enough things. Yeah, to, that's right. To, to <laughs> get excited about already. All right, see you in a sec. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we should mention the beer that we've just, we just opened. opened another beer, yeah. Uh, we had um, an Oakham, what's it called? Inferno. Oakham Ales Inferno. 4.4%. Uh, it is, we got, we're gifted this again, uh, full disclosure by the experienced guys, uh, a little while ago. So it is actually just past its best before date. But it's tasting pretty pretty nice. Yeah, I think it's benefiting from the fact that we had that big, oily barley wine before and I'm just mm. I could put this down without touching the sides I reckon mm. after that so yeah. I'm a, I'm a, as people know I'm a huge fan of your, your low ABV mm-hmm. gentle ales and this, this one really hits the money so good work Oakham I, I know that there's some um, more Green Devil headed our way which is my one of my favourite beers of all time so keep an eye out for those cool uh, should we jump into some recommendations yeah I think we should um, Dave uh, yeah first. I'll go first in my beer recommendation um, with all the buzz in the last week about um, the six-point high-res coming out, it got me thinking about their um, lager, the crisp. Mm. So when all the photos came out with the new six-point shipment, I asked around and said, can I get some crisp? And most of the answers were, no, we didn't, we didn't get that one. So I was just so disappointed. And then when we went into Forgotten Worlds yesterday, lo and behold, I it was in the fridge. Of irony in the name there then. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I had it, and it was fantastic. So that's my recommendation. Great. Yeah, I had a, a sip of yours, and as a lager goes, whew, good, delicious. That's, that's in and my wheelhouse right now. I that was sort of beer. Very happy that it wasn't a India Pale Lager. They didn't just chuck a whole bunch of hops for the sake of it. They just made a, a nice lager. It's good hop character, but it's a lager at heart. Yep. Good beer. Can't go past. How about you? Um, my beer recommendation is actually uh, Sail and Anchor. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. They're um, collaboration with Carl Strauss. Oh, it's called The Bloke. It's an amber ale and it's 60 IBU um, and I think a lot of people overlook the Salon Anchor stuff because by all accounts their their main range is pretty pedestrian. I haven't actually tried any of them because they're only in what, Dan they're Murphy's. They're only in Dan Murphy's. Yeah, um, but they're sort of very non-offensive. And yeah, yeah. So this is full disclosure. They, they, sent me, they send me bottles every seasonal release and um, so it was a gift from them so do we I, ever buy beers anymore? <laughs> yeah, we do. A lot. Yeah, <laughs> we buy yeah, a lot of beers. So much. And uh, we, me and Emma shared a bottle over dinner, and it, it really, really held up. Um, everything I, I like in sort of a new world amber, you know, nice and punchy, uh, good malt, um, nice sixty IBU. Really, just a a pretty good beer. And um, yeah, it, it's good that they're doing something that's just not the standard range and putting it out everywhere, so people can get something that's um, a little bit more interesting. Good one. Bit of a surprise recommendation, but yeah, yeah, I like to shock people if it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, yeah, cool. Steve, what about you, Steve. Uh, we've been doing some t- tastings of some of the beers that were made for previous gabs that are still available and have been rebrewed. And uh, they include we did some Hasselhop, we did some Gunnamatta IPA, 
um, and we all did the brew cult um, acid freaks. But the one that I, I really have enjoyed more than any of uh, has been the jumping the shark truffle oh. imperial stout. Was uh, that a Moon Dog. Um No, that wasn't. Oh, but it was okay. part of the tasting <laughs> ah, uh, okay. I, because. <laughs> We did a tasting for journalists and we, um, we chose beers that were either brewed for Gabs in the past or were inspired. Uh, that kind of, I guess, captured the, the essence of what Gabs is about. Mm. So um, it wasn't a beer actually brewed for Gabs, but it certainly is a beer that wouldn't be out of place at Gabs. Definitely, absolutely right. And uh, I think that is just a champion beer. I can't uh, – like, what does it sit at, 13% or 12.5% or something like that? But I think it's even bigger than that, isn't it? Uh, isn't it? I think 13 maybe. Could be, yeah. Um, I'd like to see it – I tried it um, when it sort of first came out and mm. – I thought it was a bit fresh. Mm. I would, I think maybe you could put two, two or three years on that, and it would just be glorious. Well, the one that I think I had was, certainly wasn't fresh, yeah. um, and like any of these beers, that tends to benefit of with a bit of time. So, yeah. really, really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed that one. And I also was the um, the Mornington Brown. My mother lives down at Mount Martha Way, and um, I tend to drink more hop focused beers most days of the week. Mm. Um, but the Mornington. That's one of those beers that I'll just, if it's on, I, I might just drink that all night yeah. quite easily. I actually had the Rogue Nut Brown, which I hadn't had in probably five years the other day. It was on tap in the tap house. Mm. I'm actually going to Rogue in August, and so I'm quite looking forward to having some at the source. But uh, I really enjoyed the Nut Brown the other day. That's it's, another one that's consistently good. Yeah, yeah that's probably uh, a great mouthfeel, the, really great mm, body to it. That'll be the Rogue beer that I'll, I'll pick over, over their ranges, the, yeah. the Brown, definitely. Absolutely right. Uh, all right, non- Time for some non-beer recommendations. You've, you've got a cracker. I'll come, I want to do yours first. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so my non-beer recommendation, I'm recommending a cut of meat. <laughs> so there's a, a little a little loved cut um, called Oyster Blade that people overlook other than, I guess, chefs. Um, it comes with a couple of names if you're in the US. I can't remember the maybe hanger steak in the US. But it has a, a big tendon that runs through the actual steak. So, you know, people don't like a, a bit of tendon. They like a scotch fillet where it's no fat and, and all that boring stuff. Uh, we, if you get one of those steaks and you cook it sort of medium on medium heat to sort of medium rare and you melt that tendon down, everything's soft and you've got chewy fat, it's all broken down. It's, you'll pay less than $5 for two steaks and you'll have the tastiest meal of your life. Um, we're just getting one. Oh, okay. So apparently it's flat iron steak for in those steaks. in America. Steaks. Um, okay. What did you? What did you say? Hanger steak. Uh, hanger steaks are different. Steak is it? Well. Okay. Yeah. It's different cuts, and also it goes in a um, in a casserole. We cooked one for three hours the other day. It stays together and then falls apart on your fork. What so was it, the best way of eating it of the two that you just mentioned? I think in the pan as a as a steak. It. How, th- how thick in an ideal world? How thick are they being? Uh, like maybe an about an inch. Yeah, That's yeah. Okay. So you need to. You need to really be careful with how you cook it because all that, oh, sorry, um, all that fat. You know, there's some pretty thick bits of fat and the, 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 the tendon gristly. But if you don't cook it right, that's going to be chewy and horrible. But if you but give it the love it deserves, if you give it a bit of love, it'll love you back. And you, you know, you, what do you pay for a steak these days? A bit of rump, you're paying three or four times the price. Mm. So if I, you're think, lucky, I think you're crazy yeah. to not to, to get some oyster blade and, and enjoy a good steak. Get some oyster blade. <laughs> All right, Dave, you got one? <laughs> yeah, I do can't have one. Can't that. Uh, no, I can't. Uh, I want to recommend a band. We gave Toe Hider a shout-out, so I figured I'd do a Thank band uh, as well. Um, I'm recommending King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Absurd name, but serious music. Uh, they're 
They should be uh, they, those guys are so good at naming their band name. They should name beer names. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> I think they would have a knack for it. But they um, are a, a prolific band. They've been around for a couple of years. Are now. they Melbourne? Uh, they you probably call them Melbourne, but half the band grew up in Queensland and half of them grew up in uh, in Melbourne. But they tour Melbourne a lot. But they've just released a fourth album in eighteen months. And the striking thing about them is that they're four albums that are completely different. You'd think they were just four different bands doing it. So the one that I'm enjoying particularly um, at the moment is a Spaghetti Western soundtrack. So spoken word narrative with uh, the Western soundtrack. Has the, does the movie exist or it's a concept? No, no, it's a concept. Great. Um, that the yeah, spoken word narrative, sensational. They do a absolutely killer live show. So um, that's I- how they initially attracted me. They blew my socks off. Did you see them for New Year's? Was that right? Yeah, I went into uh, Ding Dong Lounge on New Year's Eve and they brought in the New Year's with a set and it was fantastic. And I recently saw them at um, the Toff, which is a very, very small venue and they're a very, very loud band mm. and um, nearly blew the roof off. It was fantastic. Mm. So look them up. You can't, once you hear that name, you don't forget it. So um, have a listen to them in YouTube. You or might not get it in the right order, the name. Yeah, no, exactly yeah. right. We'll but if you put, the, if, in, yeah, <laughs> if you put any of those words in, I don't think you'll hit too many other uh, I'll, search I'll, results. So, yeah. I'll make sure to put up a link in the show notes as well, just for, for those that. Uh, yeah. So, like, they also do. They're very brave. Uh, their most recent album, their lead track was a song called Vegemite, and it's indeed a song about Vegemite, which. Um, they no, came no that around. Little Vegemites mentioned. <laughs> oh, it's not dissimilar to that actually. Uh, but then the previous album they kicked off with like an epic sixteen-minute song for their first single. So no fear. I I do like a band. People that know me know my music tastes are pretty eclectic, and that sounds something that's right up my alley. So. Well, eclectic is a good word for this particular band. So um, look them up. It's good for your ears. Good recommendation, Steve. How can you follow that? I can't. Uh, Oyster I'll try. Blade um, and King Gizzard and James, Lizard, like, I don't see many movies. I don't have time to see many movies. But my wife and I last night saw. James Gandolfini's, uh, I think it's his last film. Mm. That it was a film that you, on first glance you'd think it wouldn't quite work, but it's, a, it's called about, I think it's, um, actually, I don't know the name of it, but it's um, with Julia Louise Dreyfus, oh, yeah. and it's kind of a comedy. Producer, um, can you get on the James? I was going to say it's about time, the, uh, but I don't yeah. think it is. It's not called About Time. Enough said. Enough said. And it just came out, uh, and I saw it last night, and uh, it was great. I just love James Gandolfini. I was very sad when he died, um, but uh, I really, we really, really enjoyed that. And my wife had the Kleenex out. Uh, it was quite sad at times, um, but it was great. Loved it. Awesome. That's three Excellent. really good recommendations. Yeah. Um, so, like, if you're at a loss this weekend, um, I can recommend having an oyster, st- oyster blade <laughs> steak, a bit of King Giz and Lizard Wizards, and then watch enough said. Well, one thing uh, I feel like I should mention now that you just said the words oyster steak is the carpet bag steak. Have you guys ever heard of a carpet bag steak? Can't wait to explain. What, no, is it a cut or something? Uh, no, so it was, so a, it's done it's a an Australian. Um, it was big in the sort of seventies, early eighties. Australian, I think a restaurant. Emma's shaking her head. So I can't wait to hear yeah. what this is. <laughs> it's amazing. It'll blow your mind. Um, Australian restaurant in I mean, Sydney sort of started it, and it kind of made it around. Um, I think you could get them in my hometown when I was a kid. My dad loved it. Um, basically, they get a porterhouse steak. Pretty sure it's porterhouse. They'll cut a sort of Scotch oh, fillet. Thank okay. you, Emma. Um, They'll cut a little uh, pocket in there. About half a dozen oysters will be rammed into that pocket. Raw oysters at this point. Yep. Yeah. And then they'll cook them so the oysters will steam in the Do steak. you mean like they cut in the side and then fill it like a sandwich? Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, right. Or like a pizza bit, bread kind of thing. Yeah, yeah like a pizza bread. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then they'll, they'll cook it and then you come out and you've got this steak 
and some steamed oysters in the middle of it. There was a restaurant in Melbourne that used to do it. Um, so you have that for dinner before, and you've had your pie float for, yeah. <laughs> for lunch. Yeah. Well, there's a restaurant and in the Melbourne. Frog in a pond for dinner. <laughs> they used to do it and they've unfortunately closed down. Um, but I, I was lucky enough to try one about two years ago. And the steak just ends up tasting like oysters. <laughs> so you're eating like this giant oyster. What did you say it was called? Uh, kind cut. of weird, right? Because you've got this texture of the meat and yeah, then you've got yeah. this oyster flavor. It's amazing and confusing all at the same time. Uh, Carpetbag steak. Carpetbag steak. So if anyone... I, mean, I wonder steak. where the name came from. I'm just trying to work out how they got that recipe into carpetbag uh, Yeah, I got... Carpetbag. But, you know, word up your chef at the tap house yeah. and uh, <laughs> we'll come in for Sunday one. specials. <laughs> I think steak. the popularity of the fried chicken is going to go straight down <laughs> carpetbag steaks all the way. Yeah. Um, and before we wrap up, uh, I should say we did our finalising our menu for my Good Beer Week event, which is going to head-to-head with uh, your... Can you um, tell me about it? I, I'm, yeah, so we're doing a... Um, read the guide properly. We're doing a tea and beer... Uh, sort of combination of flavours. Um, I've teamed up with Storm in a Teacup on Smith Street and we're doing all vegetarian food just to, to throw something else into the mix. Um, I'm not a vegetarian, but there's no event for vegetarians no out there. No bacon sprinkles? Nothing, no, no. Nothing, not allowed? Can, <laughs> no. can you bring your own? <laughs> um, and we're vegan as well. We went through the menu and I think, I think it was going to be all vegan. And the chef there, um, who's, his name's Miles, and he's just done a stint at Otolengi in the UK. And he used to work at Sepia in, in um, Sydney, and his he whipped up some some food for us. You know, we we came up with the menu. We said we might have this tea or blended with this beer or a cocktail with the two, and these are the flavors we want. And jeez, he's uh, he knows what he's doing in the kitchen, and it's kind of you know Michelin star quality food with um, some serious serious beers. We're not sort of holding back anything. So, are there tickets left? There are tickets left, so head to the Good Beer Week website, search Storm in a teacup and uh, pick some up. And, yeah, even we, we had our sort of menu test the other night and you weren't wanting meat by the end of it. Um, it was – I was amazed with how well everything tasted. And tea and beer, it turns out, it's a pretty good mix. Are you planning to go to many Good Beer Weeks events? Like most nights are you going to some event? It's a pretty – you need to kind of train for it. Yeah, yeah, so like I've – like if my good beer week experience has evolved um, over the few years, and I and I'm years. sort of like dialing it back. Yeah. Uh, I'd much rather sort of go to a few pint of origins and have a couple of like we're, we're the same. We've locked there. in a couple of events. Um, we went for the Into Gelato beer event because that sounded a little bit different. Um, and then we're doing a beer and cheese and the Voodoo. They go into the and we're also going to the Mornington still the Mornington Brew Day. Stillwater Brew Day on the Monday. Or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Is that with Brian from Stillwater? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so. we've yeah leave, leave the rest of the week free to to wander around the pints of origin. And yeah, you can really overcommit and just like you know, it, you just uh, about halfway week is halfway during the week you're flagging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I fan anyway, and that's just at our, our own events and. Obviously, this year we're setting up gabs from Wednesday afternoon, mm. um, so it's always uh, bittersweet for us because yeah. we hear there's so many great things and so many things I'd like to see, mm. and there's so many cool ideas. Mm. I just, I just love that Good Beer Week has fostered this environment where, like you talk about, the band being eclectic and, yeah, and exactly. bold. Is that there's just venues of all different shapes and sizes doing all sorts, and of just things. all the activities all are the activities, so varying yeah. this year, especially. Yeah, I yeah. think I'm, I'm looking forward to getting along to some of the venues that don't typically get involved with good beer yeah. um, and they're doing, you know, they'll have a beer cocktail special or they'll have a something a little bit left of centre uh, and, you know, we, we go to the same venues quite regularly so mm. I'm really keen to... To try new ones. And yeah, and su- support and sort of show them that if they do put good, good beer on or make a commitment, we're going to go along. And, and there'll and be a good reception it. to it, yeah. yeah. Mm. 
And yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. And also, I guess, speaking of gabs, um, we're going to take this podcast mobile. And the first session we're going to... Can't gonna, stop us. Yeah. Um, and I think Phil... Or oh, you can, just don't listen. <laughs> Phil, Phil Cook from the, the Beer Diary podcast uh, in New Zealand has... has um, probably going to join us. Stop in for a chat. To, it's good news, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he's, I guess, one of the... Good beer person. Mm, one of the inspirations to this podcast mm-hmm. as well after listening to his, so we look forward to having him along. And not, and, a, uh, not afraid to say what he's saying. No, 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 no absolutely not. Maybe we'll throw a few uh, controversial things out there and see, what he, see if he oh, takes just the just throw him some paper. <laughs> <laughs> He'll definitely take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that'll be fun, and I'm really looking forward to, to Good Beer Week and Gabs as well. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, cool. Cool, all right. Uh, Music was Toehider again. Oh, hang on a second. Um, Who was it? I just wasn't. I'm not sure. Uh, We should probably introduce the interview. Oh, yes. So we recorded a short interview with Glenn from Temple. uh, Temple. He used to be at Hargreaves Hill. He was talking about what Temple are up to. Um, He's the new brewer there, talking about what they're up to for Good Beer Week and just his sort of um, take on their beers. So, yeah, have a listen to that. It was recorded live at the... Could be a week showcase uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, enjoy that. Great. Thanks. Thanks for coming in, Steve. No problem. Thanks, Thanks for having me. So, we're here with Glenn from Temple, uh, new head brewer at Temple, is that right? Uh, yeah, I've been there. This is my third week there. So, yeah, just definitely new, but getting my head around everything in there. So, and how's it, how's it going so far? Oh, it's good. I mean, we've definitely, the um, place has got so much potential. The brew house itself is like state of the art brewery. So, it's, you know, couldn't be happy when it comes to the equipment I've got to play with. So, very excited about what we're going to be doing in the future. Uh, good beer week's coming up. What do you uh, What do you guys got going on for that? Um, we're actually doing a collaboration brew with Frank from Weistefan, um, which will be very exciting. It's um, we're in the process now of going back and forth, just working on a recipe and working out a plan for the day. The exciting thing is that me and Frank will actually be mic'd up for the day. So while we're on the floor brewing and all that, the people will be able to ask us questions while we're brewing and we'll be able to answer and interact with so it won't be just come and eat and drink you'll be actually able to ask us questions and interact with us yeah really good so what's the mash temp what's the uh, strike (laughs) yeah look who knows what we're going to get asked you're not sure who you're going to get it might be people who know nothing about beer and then you might get the real hardcore home brewers who want to know the ins and outs of everything we're doing so if it gets too technical i'll just get Frank to answer it. I mean, I noticed that it's called the reunificator. Um, is that going to be a similar style, a similar box style, or is it going to be a new recipe that you're bringing up? No, look, it's definitely going to be a new recipe. I think it's just sort of uh, the name that they've yeah. given that, given the um, the, the day sort of thing. So, um, like I said, we've we're throwing around a few ideas, but we still have to be pure to the German purity law. So we're, we're restricted in a few ways. We can't add exotic fruits and all that sort of stuff into the. But we'll come up with some interesting ideas to make it a little bit different to what definitely what Frank's used to producing. And then hopefully you know, Frank can teach me a bit more about producing some good traditional style German beer. So, Have you uh, met or chatted to Frank beforehand or are you going to meet him on the day or how's that going to work? I've never met Frank, no. Um, well, so at the moment we're just emailing back and forth. So I guess that's the great thing about emails nowadays. You can just um, you know, talk back and forth and... Really, recipe-wise, you know, he'll come back at me and I'll go, look, maybe we'll try this or do you want to try this? And I'll, I guess I keep throwing back ideas to him. He keeps coming back going, I'm not allowed to do that. Oh, okay, so can we try this? Or, But, look, it'll be fun and it'll be exciting either way we do it. So, Now, I know the few fans that do listen to the show are going to be very excited to know that your Gabsby is going to be the much-anticipated Super Scarlet. Um, do you want to take us through that? 
Yeah, once again, like this was a beer that was obviously made before I started, but um, look, it's tasting great. I must admit, it's a really impressive beer. Um, I'll hold off and tell you what the, you know, it's obviously a traditional traditional style with a couple of different uh, fruits and all that in it. But um, look, I'm really excited about how it's going to taste, and I think it will be something that people will really, will really get behind and really love at the at Gab sort of thing. Like it's you know, only four percent, you know, so it's not a massive beer, but the flavour and what it's going to show and give people will be very impressive. I think so. Cool, and I guess finally. Since taking the reins, do you have any plans for brews that are going to put your mark on the brewery, or you know, what are we going to see in the future from Temple? Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, I want to definitely get my own beers out there. I mean, there's a whole bunch of recipes that were Temple breweries, and I'll go through those and decide whether I want to go out. I mean, the two main styles, the bicycle and our IPA, will continue, but there will definitely be within the next month or two months, you know, some new some new beers that come out of what I know and what I like to produce and brew. So. Definitely new beers, don't worry about that. And there's always going to be new beers, so that's fine. Great. Well, thanks for your time. No problem. Cheers.